Hello, and welcome back to Low Definition, the podcast equivalent of Pennywise the Clown. We turn up roughly every 27 years to lure children into the gutter. As usual, I'm your host, Steve Lutz, and let's find out which members of the Losers Club are here with me today. That's another it reference. I don't think you're all losers. Most likely only five of the six of you are going home losers today. Actually, I guess it technically could be all six of you. Uh, anyway, please join me in welcoming your low-definition players. <laughs> Leading off and playing Rover, it's Woonsocket's favorite son, Dan Morin. Oh, I'm, I'm loser number one. Woohoo! Congratulations. In the number two slot, put your hands together for Pompanoosuck's own Chip. Sunearth! I've never had a PA announcer call me out for low definition before. This is amazing. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Sliding into third, it's the Duke of Damariscotta himself, Jason Snell! You know, Sabermetric says that you bat your best. Anyway, third. It's good to be here. Don't get a big head about it. Batting cleanup and making her low definition debut. Say hello to She Tuck It. Shelly Brisbane! Losing for the very first time. Happy to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Coming in at number five, please give a warm Weekapog welcome to Kathy Campbell! Weekapog! And bringing up the rear, the man they call the Hellhound of Hockamock, Monty Ashley! Right. I'm blowing kisses to the crowd waving, accepting, oh, a rose? Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. <laughs> oh, you're so smooth. It's just like you've done this before. <laughs> and, of course, those players were introduced in order of play as determined by random.org. You won't say grody when you sample our totally tubular selection of gnarly to the max snack foods, dudes. Eat awesome <laughs> with random.org. Bring the random to you. you. That's his theme song. I'm sorry it appears that I've accidentally read the ad copy for radnom.org. <laughs> silly of me. Um, so, how does one play low definition? Badly. Seriously, can somebody tell Don't me? Ask me. I forgot. Well, step one, you can calculate the amount of pan in a thing. Uh-huh. Yes. Step two, okay. you consult a lake tourist. Mm, I'm pretty sure that's not right. Hang Step on, let me look it up. Three, uh, get something that is roughly hewn or hempen. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to look it up. Step One four, profit. profit. Okay, here we are. Here we are. Ah, <clears throat> uh, this is how we play low. low, low, low. This is how we say low definition. <laughs> low <laughs> definition. It's a, it's a good start. And Woo. now here's how we play low definition. In each round, I'll present you with a word. You will then kindly produce for me a definition for that word. If you think you know the actual definition, send me that. If you're right, you get an automatic three points and, oh, such bragging rights. If you don't know the actual definition, please instead craft a plausible-sounding fake one. When I have all your answers, I'll mix them up in a big old bowl with the real definition. Then you'll each get a chance to try to locate the true meaning amongst the horrible lies. If you successfully identify the real definition, you'll receive two points. As if that wasn't enough, you'll also receive one point for each player that you rope in with your fake definition. 
The game ends when somebody reaches 18 points, or when we've been playing for long enough that words have lost all meaning along with the very concept of human communication. Oh, and uh, one last little wrinkle. If, in a given round, none of you correctly identifies the real definition, your host, that is to say me, gets five points. Five points! It's ridiculous, I know. I'd change it if I could, but you can't just go throwing out rules willy-nilly. <laughs> it starts with changing the number of points the host receives when you don't guess the correct definition, and one slippery slope later, boom, total societal collapse. And in fact, in 2018, we made it four, and then we changed it to five. So we're no, really it responsible. it was originally six. Then we rolled it back to five, and it's, it remains five. Although sometimes so we I did push this. it back to six. I was going to yeah. say, who is this we of whom you speak? We I, I collapsed the this society. We ruined it all. Ugh. So what you're saying is rules are fungible, and I could change it if I want. Ah, we have fun. Interesting. All <laughs> right. Having said that, what do you say we play some low definition? Yeah. Okay. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Good night, everybody. Oh, what the heck. Those of you who want to stick around, let's uh, go ahead and play a game. Let's start with round one, which is where we traditionally start, and the word for round one is this. Rowl. Rowl. That's spelled R-O-W-E-L. Rowl. Please, won't you send me your definitions for the word rowl, nowl. The definitions are coming in fast. It's like you guys have a bunch of pent-up definitions that you haven't been able to use for over a year. My favorite part of this show is when Steve has to vamp while we're making up definitions. <laughs> I don't have yeah. to vamp. He but gets you to. You do. You have a compulsive need to fill the silence. <laughs> really, Dan? Really? <laughs> I mean, I know how you feel. <laughs> I run a game show. I've been there. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. All the definitions are in for word one, which was Rowell. I will read them now. And then you get a chance to guess which one is real. Here we go. Rowl. One. A wooden utensil similar to a pestle. Two. A Dremel-like tool used to route out pipework. Three. A rounded dowel. Four. <laughs> An ancient Greek term for an arched entryway. Five. A saw for cutting wood with the grain. Six. A spiky revolving wheel at the end of a spur. Or seven. A groove on the side of a coin. Those are your options for the word rowel. And the first to get to guess amongst them is Dan Morin. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I think give me liberty, or if you can't give me that, give me the rounded spiky thing on the uh, end of a spur. I'll give you my spur. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, literally, I just gave it to you. Um, Chip. Thank you. Thank you. I'm into the groove, Steve. Well, <laughs> I told you to get in there. I'm glad you finally listened. All right. Next up is Jason. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm grooving. I'm grooving with Chip. Grooving with We're grooving. Chip. On, on a Sunday oh, afternoon. Yeah. Let's groove tonight. <laughs> okay. Uh, next up is Shelly. 
I'm feeling spiky, Steve. Are you? Yes. Excellent. That's the perfect state of mind for playing this game. Uh, next up is Kathy. You know, there's just so many great choices to go with. Okay. And also a rounded dowel. Let's be and honest. And also a rounded <laughs> dowel. Um, I'm feeling spurious. And I'd like to go with the spur, please. Okay. A lot of people piling onto the spur. It may or may Ouch. not be a good idea. We'll see. And that leaves Monty. I would also like to pile onto the spur. Oh, boy. Wow. Nobody remembers the spread, apparently. It's probably so all many. for the best. <laughs> all righty. Uh, all the guesses are in. So let's go through them. Only, uh, only two were chosen, so this should go quick. Why don't we start with... It's not Chip. going that quick right now, is it, though? No, it's not. It got even slower when you interrupted me. <laughs> I know. It's weird. Huh. <laughs> Just for that, why don't we start with Dan, uh, Shelly, Kathy, and Monty, all of whom thought that a rowel was a spiky revolving wheel at the end of a spur. And they were absolutely correct. That wow. is a rowel. <laughs> So, two points to each of you. Congratulations on that. And that leaves Chip and Jason, both of whom thought that a rowel was a groove on the side of a coin. That was Monty's groove you just got into Whoa. there, so two more points for Monty. Meaning that uh, after round one, we have a commanding lead already. Uh, Monty has four points. He's in first place. Dan, Shelley, and Kathy each have two. They're tied for second. Everybody else is still on the starting blocks. But that's okay. It's early yet. I, you know what? That was one of the ones where I knew it. Like I knew I would knew it as, know it as soon as I heard it, and I could not come up with the definition. So you got a rounded dowel, which really seems like it should be called a rowel. Come on! <laughs> I immediately wished that that was the real definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was torn between two definitions. The good news is they were both fake, so it's okay. Mm, okay. I, I mean, aren't dowels round better. to begin with? Yes. yes. It's okay. <laughs> Dumb answer, everyone. We know. But, yes, but ones that aren't rounded are called squirrels. <laughs> I hate when they eat all the stuff out of my bird feeder, too. They're yeah. known to bury Nuts. a nut from time to time. Oh, gosh. Oh, I don't want to go down that path. So let's move on to round two. <laughs> and the word for round two is oxtercog. Oh, my God. Oxtercog. Strangely enough, also a spiky rounded wheel on the end of a spur. Oh, no, did I ruin it? No, no, no. The, uh, the oxtercock has a different definition. And it is spelled O-X-T-E-R-C-O-G, just like you might think. Yeah. So please send me your definitions for the word oxtercog now. Dad is taking his time, presumably hoping to avoid a repeat of the rounded dowel situation. Wait, I can't reuse that? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> oh, sorry. Maybe he put that in twice. Never mind. Okay, all of the definitions are in for the word oxtercog. I will read them now. Oxtercog. One. A wheeled cart, typically used to deliver ice and water. Two, the third of 12 books that makes up the Salamnius Saga. Three, a lozenge, excuse me, a lozenge-shaped aperture. Four, to carry a person by supporting them under the armpits. 
5. An instrument for determining the density of a gas. 6. In language, a word that sounds like a word from another language, but is not related. Or 7. A fossilized grain. One of those is the definition of the word oxtercog. And uh, Chip Sutterth, why don't you tell us which one it is? I don't think it's any of them. No, <laughs> definitely not. Right, let's just throw Ooh. this one out and move on to the next round then. Round three. Uh, I'm pretty sure one of them's real. So uh, Yeah. Um, lozenge. Um, sure, I'll get one for you. Oh, that's the answer <laughs> you wanted. Never mind. Feel, feeling a little scratchy-throated? Yes. Okay. Uh, you in just your, heard him. In, Jason, you're next. In your lozenge-shaped aperture. Um, that's hard to say, isn't it? It is. Lozenge is hard to say. You need a lozenge first. I'm going to say a uh, word that sounds like a word from another language that's not related. Okay. Excellent. Uh, moving on to Shelley. I will go with the gas one. The gas one. An instrument for determining the density of a gas. Right. Very good. Uh, moving on to Kathy. I am going to choose the armpit, Carrie. Okay. Oh, wow. The spread. It's coming back. Yes. <laughs> we'll be <And> here forever. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Monty. Uh, I think it's a wheeled cart. Do you now? Yes. Why don't I pencil you in for that one then? Do so, please. Will do. And done. And now Dan. I think I'm also going to go with the armpit carry. Okay. Let's put you in with Kathy. One for each armpit. Great. All right. That's all the guesses. So uh, let's see how that all worked out for you. Let's start with Monty, who thought that an oxtercog was a wheeled cart, typically used to deliver ice and water, also known as melted ice. <laughs> <laughs> and pulled by and an that, ox, presumably. That, and that was Shelly's answer, so one point not. to Shelly. Uh, let's move on to Chip, who thought that an oxtracog was a lozenge-shaped aperture. That was actually Jason's aperture lozenge, that that came out lozenge, of. So. Lozenge, <laughs> lozenge. <laughs> meanwhile, like Shelly... Aperture science. Meanwhile, Shelly thought that an oxtracog was an instrument for determining the density of a gas... That was actually Kathy's answer, so one point to Kathy. Jason thought that oxtracog was a word that sounds like a word from another language, but is not related. That word was written by Dan. So oh, you got welcome me. Welcome back, Jason. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for it. In the next round, you'll pick my answer. Almost certainly. Speaking of Dan, he and Kathy went armpit deep into the answer to carry a person by supporting them under the armpits. And indeed, that is the real definition wow. for the word oxtracog. So, two points to each of you. Which means that after round two, we have a two-way tie for first place for Dan and Kathy, each with five points. Ooh. High five. Uh, in third place with four points is Monty. In fourth place with three is Shelly. Jason has one point. He's in fifth. Chip and I are still just sort of chilling back here. Hello. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> It's good to see you, Chip. How you been? Yeah, but I've been in the back. 
Yeah. Kind of a slow start, but that's You're grooving. Right. I th- You're grooving. I, I have faith in you. You're grooving. It's a slow groove. All right. Let's groove on to round three. And uh, I like words and all, but let's try something a little different this round. Mm. Uh, and this is a new round, and it's Uh-oh. something that I call Goof Off. No, no you, you goof, goof off. off. And that's why I called it Goof Off. <laughs> In this round, uh, I'm going to give you the name of a popular film. You'll be All you have lawyer, to do Steve. is tell me the highest rated IMDb goof for that movie. Wow. Because the world is filled with so very many goofs, uh, IMDb <laughs> organizes them into... Organizes them, that's good. Yep. <laughs> IMDb organizes them into different sections. Uh, for this round, I want the highest rated goof in the factual errors section. Factual errors. Uh, In case you're unfamiliar with IMDb goofs, here's one of the lower-rated factual errors for this movie uh, as an example. Before going into the vapor chamber, Norman announces to Strom that he's drinking a vial of prochlorperazine, which will serve as a catalyst for the human performance enhancer. Prochlorperazine is better known as Compazine, a medication formerly used to control extreme nausea and vomiting. (laughs) It wouldn't have helped the enhancer at all. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> Goof. Now, okay, for obvious reasons, only two out of four users found that interesting. Uh, the highest rated factual errors goof was appreciated by fully 13 of 15 users, so that's the one we're looking for. Uh, by the way, not all IMDb goofs are that detailed and long-winded. Many are only a single sentence, so feel free to go as long or as short as you like. And as some of you have no doubt already figured out, the movie for which I want the top-rated factual errors goof is 2002's Spider-Man. Ooh. So please hit me with your best goof now. I like everybody's frantically Googling uh, Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man. Like, tell me facts about Spider-Man that I could use here. Get me facts about Spider-Man! <laughs> Parker, I need some facts about Spider-Man now! (laughs) All right. Wow, Uh, you guys are fast with that. Congratulations, you've done it. We've finished the round. fabricating facts, everyone. everyone. We've completed a round, how successfully, no one knows yet. uh. (laughs) Well, let's find out, because all Uh of the IMDb goofs for Spider-Man 2002 are in... Let's read them now. Uh, One of them is a real IMDb goof in the factual errors section. Number one. During the chase sequence, Spider-Man turns left from 4th Avenue onto 8th Avenue, which runs parallel to 4th Avenue and does not intersect with it. Come on! (laughs) Come on, I just added. I was so shocked. Two. The World Unity Day concert was not held in 2002, but in 1998, and featured a performance by Third Eye Blind, not Lauren Hill. Jeez, Spider-Man. <laughs> Three, the second building from which Spider-Man repels is clearly misidentified. It is 12 stories too tall, and the stone color is too dark. Oh my God, Sam Raimi, what is wrong with you? Four, when Peter puts on his glasses after his transformation... The blurriness suggests that he is nearsighted. But in an earlier scene where he can't find his glasses, it's clear that he's actually farsighted. Goof. 
five. Come on, when- director of photography Don Burgess. What are you <laughs> thinking? <laughs> what the hell, Don? Five. When Peter is trying to figure out how to shoot his web across to the crane, there's a billboard that says, Tune into 98.8 FM. In the United States, FM radio stations do not end in even numbers. <laughs> Goof. Oh, Six. Peter Parker's camera would not be capable of being triggered remotely. What are you thinking? And seven. When turning right onto 42nd Street, the car somehow turns onto Wall Street, even though everyone knows that is 15 blocks away. <laughs> this, is some, this is some quality work, everyone. Are we secretly writing the IMDb goops? <laughs> maybe in your sleep while you're dreaming I, about I missing think maybe tests. we have something to do after the show. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You missed your calling. All right, so one of those is legitimately the top IMDb goof for factual errors for Spider-Man 2002. And the first to get to decide amongst them is... Jason Snell. All right. Well, everybody knows that in the gamesmanship angle of uh, low death, that when you go first, you don't have any clues, any hints from everybody else. You don't know the mm-hmm. trends. Yeah. And so I have nothing that I can do except award the one that I thought was the most amazing, which is the fact that everyone knows that in America, FM radio <laughs> goes on odd numbers and not even numbers. Whoever, if that's whoever wrote that, whether it's they're here or they're on the internet somewhere, I love you. All right, we will find out soon whom Jason has just declared his love for. But meanwhile, let's find out what Shelly thinks. May I get a refresher of the clues? You don't have to read the whole Certainly. clue, but just um, a tip. Spider-Man turns left from 4th onto 8th, which runs parallel. World Unity Day concert was not held in 2002, but 1998. Uh, second building from which Spider-Man repels is misidentified as 12 stories too tall, the stone's too dark. When Peter puts on his glasses, the blurriness suggests he's nearsighted, but earlier it was clear that he's farsighted. Uh, when Peter's trying to figure out how to shoot his web, there's a billboard that says tune into 98.8 FM, uh, and radio stations don't end in even numbers. Peter Parker's camera would not be capable of being triggered remotely, and when turning right onto 42nd Street, the car turns onto Wall Street, even though that's 15 blocks away. Thank you. And that wasn't mm-hmm. a stalling tactic. I honestly had forgotten. I, I believe it's one of two, and the one that I will pick is uh, nearsighted, farsighted. You got it. Okay, Kathy. I would like to go with the r- remote-triggered camera, please. Excellent. All righty then, moving on to Monty. Uh, I agree with Shelley. It is definitely the nearsighted, farsighted thing. Okay. Next up is Dan. I'm going to go with Jason on this one on the radio station. Okay. Going in with Jason. Wow. Well, it can't, it can't wow. be us then. Well, unless one of us is doing a hell of a <laughs> stupid fake. Imagine. <laughs> no one would do that. Dan's just trying to avoid picking Jason's. Yeah. And uh, that leaves Chip's out Earth. Chip, what do you say, sir? I... I'm torn. I mean, I I think I want the even decimals, but if I join Dan and Jason in that, then we'll be odd. Nope. <laughs> We're already and odd. In the Jim. United States, you can't have an odd number of guessers on one low definition answer. 
So be it. I contradict myself. I contain multitudes, even decimals. Okay, fair enough. All right, all the guesses are in. So, um, let's see. We'll start with Shelley and Monty, who thought that when Peter puts on his glasses after his transformation, the blurriness suggests that he's nearsighted. But in an earlier scene where he can't find his glasses, it's clear that he's actually farsighted. That was actually Dan's answer. So two, four <laughs> points, Dan, for that. Two points for Dan. Dan sorry. I'm so disappointed Ooh. in you. I, I don't. I also had to think very hard because I don't wear glasses. I can never remember what's what. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Kathy thought that the IMDb goof was Peter Parker's camera would not be capable of being triggered remotely. That was actually Chip's answer. So a point to Chip. Good Finally job, Chip. on the board. Yay! Yay! Congratulations. And now we'll find out if uh, three people got two points or I got five points because Jason, Dan, and Chip all thought that the top-rated factual error for Spider-Man was when Peter is trying to figure out how to shoot his web across to the crane, there's a billboard that says, tune into 98.8 FM. In the United States, FM radio stations do not end in even numbers. And that was the top-rated IMDb goof (laughs) under the category of factual errors. Very good. I did not know that was true, but when when it got read, I started thinking of every radio station I know. I was like, wait, no, they are all odd. Yep, yep, it jumps 0.2 I so wanted to do a, well, actually, I work for an even-numbered station, and then I was like, don't, I do not, damn it. (laughs) I'm disappointed nobody picked mine, but you all have uh, that song in your head now, right? Doot, doot, doot. Oh, no, I had the other third eye blind song. There is another one. I want to know who did the car turns onto 42nd Street, not Wall Street. That was Kathy. Because it's way too far north to be close to Wall Street. I couldn't even And yet very plausible that they would cut it together like that. And very close to the 4th to 8th Street clue. Which was mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, everybody. Good job, good job. Uh, I good feel goofs, like everyone. we've good goofs. we've done good good work today. Oh, and, uh, I love no you, matter, and that person who cares about the FM radio frequencies. I, well, I, I, you oh. are then, I guess, person fourteen out of sixteen who found that goof <laughs> interesting. Please add your name to the registry. All right, well, that was fun. Um, let's go back to words now. We have to. Uh, that's Can we do well, more goofs? Can we make this yeah. an all goof podcast now? From now on, <laughs> oops, all goofs. Uh, I've got news for you, Jason. It is all goofs. Um, hey, but this round is words. So, uh, let's move on to round four. And round four is a listener word. Yay! Yeah, word. Listener word. Yes, listeners provide us with words sometimes, and we use them because we're nice people, and they're nice people, and we like to do nice things for each other. So, uh, this word was provided by listener Gwendolyn, and listener oh, Gwendolyn listener provided. Gwendolyn. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the one. And uh, the word she provided was. Skyomachy. Skyomachy. And that word is spelled S K I A M A C H Y. Skyomachy. Please send me your definitions for the word skyomachy now. My my theory with the with the goof offs was that some so many of them were very specific to very known scenes in the movie. So that when it was the FM radio one, I was like, like, who notices that? Nobody would ever make that up. That has to be real because it's so ridiculous. And mm. the internet didn't let me down. Finally, finally, the internet didn't let me down. 
So, uh, uh, let's see. All of the definitions are now in for our round four word, which was skiomachy. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't it know. Make any difference. <laughs> but if we uh, told you a different word, would you be okay with that? Or? Sure. <laughs> skyomachy. That's it. All right. Uh, it's kind of a weird pronunciation, so, you know, bear with me. All right. So, uh, let's read through those definitions and see if we can figure out which one's real. Shall we? Skyomachy. One. To foretell the future using I Ching. Two. A fight with an imaginary enemy. Three. Unfamiliar, rare, strange, and yet marvelous. Four. The historical atmospheric effects which determine the irregular shape of tree rings. Five. The study of comparative astrology. Six. A lighting filter used to tone down oversaturated outdoor technicolor photography. Or seven. The art of making an object made of one substance appear to be a different one. Those are your options for the word skyomachy. And the first to get to decide which one's real is Shelly. Mm. I like the study of uh, astrology. Okay. Who doesn't? I know, right? The stars told you. <laughs> My <they> favorite would. <laughs> thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is Kathy. Okay. I would like to guess the tree rings one. Okay. Then we shall move on to Monty. Steve, I would also like the tree rings one. Would you? Yes, please. All right. You got it, dude. Thanks. <laughs> That's a weird full house reference that just jumped in there. <laughs> yeah. How rude, Dan. Uh, why don't you go next? <laughs> okay, sure. Um, I'm going to go with the I Ching. All right. Excellent. Moving on to Chip. I'm getting up in a tree, too. Hmm. So many tree, tree people. Tree house. So many tree people. Right now, there's three people who are tree people. Let's see if there's going to be a fourth. Jason, what do I'm you think? I'm above you in the stars. Oh, my. <laughs> I am uh, casting the casting the stones with Dan. The Casting the stones with Dan. All right. I love that show. <laughs> It was on right after hanging it's, with Mr. Cooper. Casting the stones with it's Dan. Slow. It's, it's just six hours of me like skipping stones off a lake, but you know, compelling. Soothing. So you wanted the I Ching, right? Yep. Just checking. Okay. So why don't we start with that one? Uh, Dan and Jason both thought that Skyamaki was to foretell the future using I Ching. Cha-ching for Monty, because that was his oh, answer. Oh, well oh, done. Oh, nice. Uh, next up, we've got um, Shelley, who thought that skyomachy was the study of comparative astrology. That was Chip's answer, so thank ah. Chip for that. And uh -oh. that leaves our three tree peoples. <laughs> <laughs> I Kathy, see where this is going. <laughs> Monty and Chip, all of whom thought that the historical atmospheric effects which determine the irregular shape of tree rings was skyomachy. 
Why is it, Dan, that you know where this is going? Oh, no. <laughs> well, Steve, it's because let me tell you about the historical effects of atmosphere on tree rings. I don't know what they are, but they're not <laughs> Skiamaki. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Ah, uh, yes, I see here that your name is next to that answer, which means that's Dan's answer, which means that I have just gotten five points because Ooh. none of you correctly determined that Skyamaki is a fight with an imaginary oh, enemy. That's shadow boxing. That's shadow boxing. You're absolutely right. Wow. I came so, so close to choosing that. Wow. So, that so. very a good one. Very interesting. Uh, nonetheless, Dan has been cleaning up. He is in the lead with 12 points in first place. Wow. Is that is that real? Am I reading that I right? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. You did the math, Lord. not me. Well, the spreadsheet yeah. did the math. I just do what it tells me. Oh, but dear. it tells me you've got 12 mistake. points, so uh, I have to assume it's right. His life is ruled by random.org and a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Wow. Some distance behind him. Monty is in second with six points. Kathy's in third with five. Uh, I, I actually am tied with her in third, also with five. <laughs> in Ooh. fifth place with four points is Chip. And bringing up the rear, but with a respectable three points each, Jason and Shelley are tied for six. You guys, wait up! <laughs> <laughs> So, um, let's see. Let's move on to round five. Uh, it's another word, and um, I thought I'd give you guys a break with an easy one. Uh, the word for round five is macroverbum skialist. Mm, yes. You take that back. The mm. hell you say. Macroverbum skialist. Uh, that is spelled M-A-C-R-O-V-E-R-B-U-M. S C I O L I S T. Macroverbum skialist. Won't you please send me your definitions for the word macroverbum skialist now? And thank you again to listener Gwendolyn for Skyomachy. I suspect that was probably submitted roughly eight years ago, so I, I'm not certain that she's still listener Gwendolyn. She might just be Gwendolyn now. Oh. Former listener, listener Gwendolyn. She's been waiting all this time for her word to be Ex-listener. Boy, I hope she lived to see it or hear Listener it. emeritus. All right. All of the definitions are in for the word macroverbum skialist. Uh, and in this particular round, we had two definitions come in that I think were a little too close to each other to read them both. So what I will do is I will read one of them. And if either one is guessed, each of those uh, people will get a point. So there will only be uh, six answers in this list, and that's why. So macroverbum skialist. One, a person who pretends to know a word, then secretly looks it up. Two, one who attempts to confuse an audience by using complex words. Three, someone who uses the longest word possible at all times. Hmm, I'm sensing a kind of pattern here. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Four, to make holy, semicolon, sanctify, semicolon, consecrate. Five, one who studies the impact of repetition on the efficacy of large-scale scientific studies. Or six, a linguist specializing in the construction of words 
from multiple roots. One of those is the definition of the word macroverbum scalis. And the first to get to guess is Kathy Campbell. What do you think, mm, Kathy? I don't think very often. But But when I do well, you should when be nice nice and fresh for this then. Yes. And I don't yes. intend to start now. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm gonna go with the fifth one. The fifth one being. I don't one know what it was, but I like the number five. <laughs> there we go. Yep. That's how many fingers I have on one hand. So, you know, I'm good. So, that would be one who studies the impact of repetition on the efficacy of large scale scientific studies? That one. One who studies the impact of repetition on studies. Wow. One who studies. The Which is itself a repetition. Impact of repetition. Mind blown. One who studies. Sorry. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, Monty. <laughs> Yes, Steve. While you're chatting, why don't you uh -huh. tell me what you think macroverbum scalist is? Uh, ever since I was a little boy, Steve, oh, no. I thought macroverbum scalist is uh, a linguist specializing in the construction of words from multiple roots. Interesting, interesting. Now, I, I didn't know words were made out of roots. I guess they're wooden, sort of. Only organic ones. Weird. Now, when you, you were a little boy. Check the effect of the atmosphere on them. Did you know what a yeah. mandibula was? No. Oh, well, you should have had the new Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, moving on to Dan. <laughs> I object to this kind of buzz marketing uh, <laughs> product placement. He's my favorite Toy Story character. Um, uh, I will go for the uh, one who likes to confuse an audience by using big words. You got it, dude. Moving on to Chip. I'm equally confused. Okay. So you want that same answer? I do. Excellent. Uh, next up is Jason. Oh. Well, I want the one with the complex words, but I'm afraid that it's me because Dan picked it. So. Fake <laughs> <laughs> out. Um, someone who uses the longest word possible at all times. All right. Um, yeah, and uh, that leaves Shelley. I believe there's only one that talks about pretending to know the meaning of big words. Is that right? Is that the first one? First one is a person who pretends to know a word, then secretly looks it up. And then what's the second one, please? The second one is one who attempts to confuse an audience by using complex words. Uh, I will take the first one, pretends okay. to know the word, but looks it up. All right, so... Nobody was buying those semicolons. No. Nobody. <laughs> what if I did two? Maybe people would pick it. Dangling out there. It's a like verb. A... What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would Monty. Uh, well, why don't we start with Shelley then, who thought that a macroverbum skeelist was a person who pretends to know a word, then secretly looks it up. And she was absolutely right, oh. saving your bacon at the very last possible minute, because that is a macroverbum skeelist. Man, and that, that was the other one I was thinking about, too. So, boy, now I do feel bad. Uh, moving on to Kathy, she thought that a macro, macroverbum skeelist was one who studies the impact of repetition on the efficacy of large-scale scientific studies. 
one more point to Shelly for that, because that was wow. her answer. Good job, mm. Shelly. Monty thought that it was a linguist specializing in the construction of words from multiple roots. How cunning. And that was Chip's answer. Well played, Chip. Well played indeed. Uh, let's move on to Dan and Chip, both of whom thought that... Macroverbum skillist was one who attempts to confuse an audience by using complex words. Uh, Jason noted that he wanted that, but he was afraid it was his. I wonder why he thought that. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, that was your answer. You're so silly. Yep, it's true. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you got fun. Dan again. I, I done confused them. Oh. <laughs> While we're on the subject, Jason thought that it was someone who uses <laughs> the longest word possible at all times. That was Monty's answer. Ah. Oh. And also Dan's answer. Ah, that explains it. That explains it. That's well. why. So, uh, after, f what is this, five rounds? Jeez, but it seems like a lifetime. Uh, <laughs> we still have Dan in first with 13 points. Uh, Monty is moving up behind him with seven. He's in second. In third place with six points is Shelly. And we have a four-way tie for fourth place with Chip, Jason, Kathy, and me all Woo! nodded together in the back. Moving on to round six. Hey, guys. The crazy ah! round! Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Me neither. Oh, round six. You're I right. It is the crazy round. Crazy ah! round? Ah! Ah! Oh, crazy God. with a K. It's so crazy. I, I can't even deal with it. Um, so Settle down, everyone. This round is normal. Anything could happen. Right. Anything. anything. Anything could happen in this round. It's that crazy. Um, so the word for round six, the crazy round, is this. Disjasket. What? Disjasket. Disjasket. No, Datjasket. Mm. Mm. It's a little <laughs> cool in here. Could I borrow Disjasket? <laughs> 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 to play that music word, on, or that word is spelled D I S J A S K I T, disjazkit. Please send me your definitions for this word, which is disjazkit. Now, well, you did it, Steve. You finally shut us all up. <laughs> crazy round. That's what it does. At last. All righty, all the definitions are in for the crazy round word, disjazkit. Disjazkit. Sometimes you just got to say it again. And I did. So <laughs> let's hear the definitions. Disjazkit. Say I said it a third time. Let me think of that. One, the thick transparent membrane surrounding a mammalian ovum before implantation. Two, an avant-garde stage performance. Three, a Finnish pastry containing meat and goat cheese. Four, depressed, semicolon, dejected. Five, having very hairy leaves. Very hairy what? Leaves. Six, an electronic instrument iconically played by jizz whalers in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and seven, the refuse left over 
after a shipment of herring has been processed. Mm. One of those really? is the definition for the word disjasket. Really? And I have to say, the crazy <laughs> round so far <laughs> has come through. I think they're all correct. I think. <laughs> I do, too. Uh, well, good for you, Monty. You get to be the first to guess. So oh, boy. Shall I put you down for all of them? Um, <laughs> well, let's see. That would give me two Yeah, how does that points, work out point-wise? But everybody gets... else one point. So, <laughs> no, I'm going to say it's a finished pastry. Okay. It's a finished pastry. Containing meat and, thank you, containing <laughs> meat and goat cheese, <laughs> which sounds delicious, and that's probably why it's finished. Uh, Dan. Oh, my God. I'm not prepared. Um, <laughs> you didn't see this coming? Didn't see it coming. What was the first one? The thick, transparent membrane surrounding a mammalian ovum before implantation. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. <laughs> Chip. These all just make me very sad. I'm sorry, Chip. Somebody's got to choose it. It might as well be me. The Herring Refuse. The Herring Refuse. Okay. <laughs> all righty then. Uh, next up is Jason. Mm, these are all terrible. Thank you. <laughs> and I am just going to go with having very hairy leaves. Having very hairy leaves, it is. Shelly. They make me sad, too. In fact, I'm depressed and dejected. I try to bring my joy. Choice. Okay. Depressed, semicolon, dejected, Semicolon. Semicolon. Pardon me. I forgot the please, semicolon. Please, don't forget the semicolon. No. And that leaves Kathy. I would really like a finished pastry, please. Mm. Okay, let me put some varnish on this one, and it's all yours. Perfect. And that's my answer as well. Okay. No, that's well. not it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why don't we start with that one, then, and we'll see, Jason. Okay. <laughs> uh, Monty and Kathy both thought that this jasket was a finished pastry containing meat and goat cheese. Actually, it contains two points for Shelley because that was her answer. So Finnish is a different language from like Swedish and Norwegian, and that yep. word would not be Finnish. It would it would be sweet if you had said Swedish, I would have picked it. But Finnish, it's not. Mm. 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 But it just yeah. sounds really, really yummy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm hungry. Sounds it's probably than herring. Ovum or herring refuse. Yes. <laughs> Well, let's see what Master Linguist Jason thought it was. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just going against the grain there, right? He thought just, it was having very hairy leaves. I don't know how leaves have hair, but it sounded plausible to me. Uh, well, it wasn't. It was Kathy's answer. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thanks. It's a definition of something. I'm probably. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. Definition, are, looking for a word. they all? Yes. <laughs> yeah, one day it'll find a word and it'll yeah. be happy. Chip thought that it might be the refuse left over after a shipment of herring has been processed. That actually was Monty's answer. Was that a red herring? Ooh. 
And Dan thought that it might be the thick, transparent membrane surrounding a mammalian ovum before implantation. Actually, that was Jason's answer. Hi, Dan. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> Naturally. Is that from the original <laughs> Swedish, Jason? Just yeah. Right. No, that was oh, literally no. uh, one of the... Ovum. I know you're not... Word. Most people... It's very controversial about whether you just look up random definitions and have them at the ready to uh-huh. insert when you have no clue what's going on, but I had yeah, no I mean, clue what was going on, so I just inserted that. That's a word that has a meaning, and I don't know what it is, but okay. there it is. Very good. Yep. Uh, and that leaves Shelly, who thought Semicolons. that this jasket might be depressed, semicolon, dejected. And she was absolutely right. The oh, word disjasket is depressed, so semicolon, dejected. Sometimes you just take what sounds obvious and you mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well done, Shelly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's like you'd see in a, uh, a Swedish uh, film. Very dark. Yeah, I feel like we should all go see a Bergman film and be sad. Well, that's not the kind of Swedish film I was thinking of. No, well, that's fair. Good point. Nonetheless, Dan is still in the lead with 13 points. Uh, Shelly's coming up behind with 10. She's in second. Wow. Monty's got eight. He's in third place. Tied for fourth place with six points each. Jason and Kathy tied for sixth, which is last place. Our Chip and myself. Hello. That's all right. So wow, that was uh, that was pretty crazy. Mm. What are we playing happened. to? Four yeah. hundred. It was it was close enough. M- moderately sane. Eighteen is the official uh, finish okay. line, but or uh, until so, we're tired. No, Sometimes it's not finished. It's it Swedish. Close. Oh no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I should have paid attention to the roots. <laughs> oh man, yeah. If we're if we're waiting for this to finish, we'll be here all night. But if we're waiting for it to be Norwegian, we'll be okay. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but I am worn out from the craziness of words right now. So let's do something yeah. a little different for round goofs? seven. Is it goofs, Steve? No, I'm sorry. It's not oh. goofs, Jason. <laughs> oh. No, this is another round of what I call, you give this place a bad name. Uh, this round is pretty simple. I'm going to give you some details about a real place that has a bad name. Uh, you're going to tell me what the bad name of that place is. Oh, Wookie Hole. No, 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 we've done that one before. Uh, This is a different one. Uh, Today's place is an unincorporated community in Lewis County, Idaho, that was founded by Eli Schmickel. It's a small village situated along Mission Creek, just outside the also badly named town of Cul-de-Sac, Idaho. Uh, It's also the site of the first Roman Catholic mission among the Nez Perce tribe, which was dedicated on September 8th, 1874. And like much of the rest of Idaho, it's in the 208 area code. Now, at this point, I'm sure you already all know exactly what place I'm talking about, so this is just overkill, but I'm going to give you a one-word hint as to the nature of this place's bad name. And that word is... Slippery. Ew. Yeah. So, please, send me your slippery bad name for this perfectly fine small village in Idaho. Now, <laughs> maybe I should have saved this one for low definition after dark, which we'll eventually do. <laughs> How bad a name is it? Oh, but it's, it's bad. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, all of the bad names are in for this unassuming, innocent little village in Idaho that we're now going to denigrate, so... Why don't I read them to you, and then you can decide which one is the real name of this little village in Idaho. The hint word was slippery. There was also a bunch of other useless stuff I told you about it. So here we go. 
One. Wet Hole, Idaho. <laughs> Two. Schmickle's Nipple. Three. Lubay, Idaho. Spelled lube, obviously. Four. Slick Poo, Idaho. <laughs> that, by the way, is one word. Slick Poo. Oh. Five. Wet Snake, Idaho. Six. Mud Pie, Idaho. Or seven. Perspiration, Idaho. So there you go. One of those is the real name of the little village in Idaho, where they had a historic mission. And the first to get to decide, we're back around to Dan Morin. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's a slippery slope, Dan, and you are at it the top is. of it. Just pick Jason's and be done with it. That's right. Okay, yeah, whichever one's his. Um... I'm going to go with uh, Perspiration, Idaho. Okay. <laughs> totally not mine. Not mine. Not mine. <laughs> totally not mine. Wait, I want to change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up is Chip. I hate myself. Slick poo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Jason. Slick poo. Slick poo? Slick poo. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, next up is Shelly. I was going to hate myself, but I can hate Chip and Jason instead. <laughs> slick poo. Come on. My, oh, my. Let your hate flow through you. <laughs> like slick poo. <laughs> like slick poo. <laughs> All right. Next up is Kathy. I would like to uh, join the second group of Siths. Oh um, the hate is flowing through me. There's four of us. Two pairs Ooh. of Sith or something. I don't know. I'm just, uh, yeah, slick poop, please. Oh, boy. First time anyone has ever said slick poop, please. <laughs> so polite. I hope so. <laughs> Unless Monty. you get into an Uber in Boise, you'd have to go there. <laughs> Monty, you want to join the slick poo gang? <laughs> you I don't. Forge out on your own. If Dan was correct and made up slick poo, he would win. So I'm going to have to go with Lube. Lube. <laughs> All right. righty then. Well, um, why don't we start with Chip, Jason, Shelley, and Kathy? <laughs> oh, God. All of whom thought <laughs> oh, there was no. a little village in Idaho by the name of Slick Poo. That is the name of a little village in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> So named because uh, the area was gifted to the missionaries by landowner Josiah Slickpoo. So, <laughs> now you know. Naturally. The more you know. Uh, Dan thought that, uh, that uh, the place was named Perspiration, Idaho. That actually was Chip's answer, so to a point for Chip. Said it wasn't mine. Come on. And man, <laughs> Manty, <laughs> Boy. Manty, yes, Dave. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Nancy Oshley <laughs> thought that uh, Lubay, Idaho, was the correct name. Uh, he was trying to avoid giving Dan a point, and in so doing, he gave Dan a point because that's Dan's answer. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh-huh. Glad nice, I could help. Nice. Mm, good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, but I believe yes, that was the only point that Dan got that round. So. He is close. I would say he's in striking distance. He could win it in the next round or the next round after that. But he is currently in first with 14 points. Uh, Shelly is right behind with 12. Wow, we got a four-way tie for third with eight points each. That's Chip, Jason, Kathy, and Monty. And I am happily ensconced in the back with five. All right, so uh, let's see if Dan uh, runs away with it here with round eight. And the word for round eight is... Facula. No, you, Facula. <laughs> Facula. Scott Facula? That's right. Let's jump Bell into this uh, round. Played Facula. The word is Facula. It is spelled F-A-C-U-L-A. Facula. Please send me your definitions for the, the word. The problem with it getting late is that it's like I want to type the stupidest yeah. first thing that I jumps in my head. to suck Do your it. facts. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fake Dracula. Come on. Everybody knows that. It's fact Dracula. Yeah. He sucks you, facts instead you of... You kill him by staking him with a round dowel, I believe. <laughs> the round amount. dowels are go, going hard in this game. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, now. All the answers are now in for the word. Facula. I will read them now. One, a tight coil at the base of a skin pore. Two, an unusually bright patch on the surface of the sun. Three, the thin mucous membrane that forms the outer layer of the eyeball. Four, beautiful thinking. Five, the outward-facing surface of a tooth. Six, a wound that never heals. Or seven, a muscle in the leg of a horse. Those are your options for the word facula. And the first to get the guess is chip. I think that... The answer, a wound that never heals, just really speaks to me right now. <laughs> Especially as I look at my score. Is this low death as therapy? <laughs> Boy, that seems like a very, very bad idea. All right, next up is Jason. Oh, was that actually Chip's guess? Okay. Uh, I just thought he was I don't know, getting his feelings out. <laughs> I, I'm going to say the, um, the, uh, the mucous membrane, the outer layer of the eyeball. Okay. I would. You would say and I that. did. Okay. I'll put you down for it. Shelly. Just because I like it so much and think it's so clever, the, uh, at, what was the, the very first one? It was the, at the end of a follicle. A what, tight what? coil at the base of a skin pore. That skin pore. That's it. I, I just, I like that one. I'm not even sure it's right, but I okay. like it. You got it. Kathy. I would like to pick the eyeball one, please. You. You can pick your friends. Okay. Gross. Oh, I can pick the eyeballs. Gross, gross. <laughs> uh, Monty, I'm up? going gross too. The tight coil at the base of a skin pore. You. Yuck. 
All right, and that just leaves Dan. Oh, boy. Um, which one's mine, Dan? Which one's mine? I know. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> trying to figure it out. I have a guess, actually, which one's yours. I'm going to not pick that one, uh, which means I will pick it anyways. Psych! Ah! Ah! <laughs> um, I'm going to go with beautiful thinking. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Football is life. Excellent. <laughs> Just trying to keep the game going as long as possible, everyone. Mm, <laughs> well, let's see if that's going to happen or not. The spread on himself. <laughs> yeah, on his- <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> he sure is. Okay. Good well, night, let's everybody. start with uh, Shelly and Monty, both of whom thought that Facula might be a tight coil at the base of a skin pore. That actually was Chip's answer, so two points to Chip. Uh, meanwhile, Jason thought, and uh, Kathy as well, thought that facula might be the thin mucous membrane that forms the outer layer of the eyeball. Hey, Jason, guess whose answer <laughs> oh, that is? No. Is it Dan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Dan, uh, Dan thought that facula might be beautiful thinking. Hey, hey Dan, guess whose answer that Jason's. is? It's not yeah. Jason's, it's yeah. Kathy's, but you guys are in sort of like a weird three-way now, so that's even Kathy weirder. Kathy was my first guess when I read that definition, but I still, yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, she guessed yours, you guessed hers, so I don't know what you three got going on, but uh, Whoa. You know, keep it to yourselves. Chip, meanwhile, thought that facula might be a wound that never heals. Ah, uh, and that's Monty's mm. answer, so he is incorrect. Uh, oh, oh no. For that, and that no. means, no. Uh, once again... That you have failed to guess the correct definition for facula, which is an unusually bright patch on the surface <gasps> oh, of the sun. Wow. I thought Definitely that was, the one I thought was Jason's. I thought yeah. it too. I thought the whole sun Why was already pretty it? bright. <laughs> <laughs> there are sections of it that are unusually <laughs> right? so. Um, so, after round eight, where are we at? Dan has gotten closer, but he's not quite there yet. <laughs> 16 never points. This game. <laughs> <laughs> you only need two more, Dan. Push through. You could do this. I, 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 I feel it. Oh, God. It. Uh, in second place with 12 points is Shelly, tied for third with 10 points each, Chip and me. Oh, look at that. Neat. I'm in the middle of the pack now. <laughs> I like it. Uh, in fifth place with nine points, actually tied for fifth with nine points each, Kathy and Monty. Jason has slipped to last place with eight points. So, round nine. Let's see if we finish this up here. Um, and you know, let's, uh, I'm glad we made it to this round because I feel like we should do something a little different. And this is another new round, uh, which I call stripped. So let's see if we can make this stupid idea work. <laughs> hey guys, I was digging through some old boxes today and oh, I yeah? ran across, yeah, I, I, you know, I do that sometimes. I find these old boxes and I just go digging through them. Cool. Um, nothing bad could come of that. Uh, and actually, this time I ran across a newspaper from uh, February 7th, 1973. So uh, naturally, the first thing I did was turn to the comics page to see what was going on with that lovable Peanuts gag. <laughs> Unfortunately, this newspaper is not in great shape, and the, the word bubble in the last panel is darn near illegible. But um, I'm sure at least some of you remember the Peanuts strip that ran on that day, so maybe you can help me out. Uh, to jog your memory, I'll describe what's going on in the rest of the strip, then you can let me know what's supposed to be in that last word bubble. Jesus. So uh, here we go. Uh, February 7th, 1973, Peanuts. Peanuts. Uh, in the first panel, 
where we see Lucy and Violet sitting in small chairs chatting, while Patty, not Peppermint Patty, the original Patty, stands behind a cardboard box, which she's using as a makeshift podium. And Patty says, all right, girls, let's settle down. Uh, and then in the next panel, Lucy and Violet are looking at Patty as she raises a finger in the air and announces, the meeting will come to order. In the third panel, we're close in on Patty's upper body and head, and uh, Patty says, as members of the food committee, we have to decide what to serve at Charlie Brown's testimonial dinner. And then in the fourth and final panel, uh, we've zoomed out so we can see all three girls again. And Lucy says to Patty, well, I can't actually decipher what she says, so I'm depending on you all to help me out here. Um, would you please send me the undoubtedly biting retort Lucy is unleashing in that last panel? Now, did you guys draw like a little version of the strip as I was talking? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah I what, was, no. what was the preceding Absolutely line of dialogue? Not. The preceding line is, as members of the food committee, we have to decide what to serve at Charlie Brown's testimonial dinner. And Lucy says, All right, all of our last panels are in. And uh, believe it or not, two of you geniuses produced exactly the same answer. So I can't believe it. <laughs> what? <laughs> are, you, are you saying that we're... We're hacks, Steve. Are you uh, saying that? I'm not we saying that. We are precisely that. as witty as one another and maybe as Charles Schultz. I am not saying that explicitly, Jason. So, But you're just strongly implying it. It's fair. Uh, uh, yes. Okay. So uh, so I will combine those two answers, and anybody who goes for that will uh, give a point to both of those people. So here we go. Uh, Patty says, as members of the food committee, we have to decide what to serve at Charlie Brown's testimonial dinner. And Lucy says, one, but what do blockheads eat? Two, how about a knuckle sandwich? Three, let's just have hot dogs. We'll call them Snoopy in a blanket. Four, how about something wishy-washy? Five, is there such a thing as a loser's salad? Or six, I thought this was the 4-H meeting. <laughs> so those are your options for the last panel of this classic Peanuts trip. <laughs> wow. And the uh, one who gets to choose amongst them is laughing Jason over oh, man. there. Oh, man. <laughs> well, honestly, there's one that made me really laugh, and I'm not going to pick it because I think it's too good to be the actual answer here. So I'm going to choose the one that I think is uh, the kind of inane punchline that Steve would pick for this, which is how about something wishy-washy. Wow. Are you calling me inane explicitly or explicitly? No, I am saying that you would pick something inane oh, to okay. voiced upon us. That's fair. All right. Uh, moving on. It's uh, Shelly's turn. Be because it made me laugh, um, I'm going to go with Knuckle Sandwich. Okay. You got it. Uh, next up is Kathy. So many choices, and yet fewer than before the normal rounds. 
Catch Whoa. you, okay? <laughs> They're all terrible. <laughs> um, let's go with what do blockheads eat? Okay, Kathy's in with the blockheads. Uh, Monty, I'm gonna go with loser salad, Steve. Okay, loser salad is yours. Mm. Dan. Is there something that hasn't been picked yet? Yes. Uh, the yes, Snoopy uh, in a Blanket and the ooh. 4-H Club. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the Knuckle Sandwich. Okay. And I believe that leaves Chip. I'm going to go for the 4-H meeting. Mm, okay. Quite a spread we've got going here. Very interesting. All right. I believe all the guesses are in, and so let's see what happened here. Um, let's start with Kathy, who thought that the final panel read, but what do blockheads eat? That actually was Chip's answer, so one point to Chip. Uh, Jason thought that it might be, how about something wishy-washy? And he called it inane. How does that feel, Monty? Feels Monty good. Cor <laughs> Monty correctly got the style of yes. <laughs> peanuts from that period. I I'm pretty certain inane was what he was going for. The yep. phrase wishy-washy is a punchline oh, in half of those strips. I know. You got me. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Chip, on the other hand, thought that uh, the correct caption was, I thought this was the 4-H meeting. That actually was Dan's answer. Dan gets a point. He's one point away. It doesn't feel good about it. <laughs> so um, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, oh, Monty thought that the correct caption was, is there such a thing as a loser's salad? Okay, either this is Charles Schultz's joke and he is rightfully a genius or whoever wrote this is a genius. I'm just going to say it. This is brilliant. Well, Jason, Charles Schultz is a genius. Yeah! <laughs> Very good. I recognized it once I heard it, but I couldn't pull it from the strip nice. setup. That's, a, that's actually, that's a really good punchline. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's pretty solid. I was wrong. Steve didn't solid. pick an inane punchline. He picked a no, good punchline. No, no. But uh, but it could very easily have been inane. I read a lot of peanut strips. Yeah. Where's your watch? Uh, seven strips, you seven strips a week, people. Seven strips a week. Yeah. Um, which means, unfortunately, that uh, not only do I not get five points, but uh, Dan and Shelly, who both thought it was how about a knuckle sandwich, didn't get any additional points either, which means that Dan still holds steady at 17 points. Um, by the way, both Jason and Kathy submitted that nice, wonderful Jason. answer. All so right. Two points to each of them. Oh, wow. Well done. Um, so, wow, after nine uh, excruciating rounds. rounds. Dan cannot, cannot, uh, he can't avoid us, Kathy. Yeah. You and I. Yeah. Nope. We got him in our way. tractor beam. Yeah, well, Two sides he's, the same pew, pew. you're pulling on him, but he's still making short Slow strides progress. to the yeah. finish line because he is now one point away with 17. 
Uh, some distance back, tied for second with 12 points each, Shelly and Monty. Uh, tied for fourth with 11 points each, Chip and Kathy. And tied for fifth, I'm sorry, sixth, which is last, with 10 points each, Jason and me. Oh, wow. <sighs> well, you know what? One way or another, this round 10 is going to be the final round, whether Dan wins it the right way or not. So, <laughs> well, well, that's <laughs> kind of my life. the drama out of it, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, somebody could make a run, but we'll see. Okay. Um, so, the word for round 10. Hey, look at this. It's another listener word. Oh, listener word. Yep. And this one comes from listener Sonny. Oh, oh listener Sonny. Yep. And the word that listener Sonny has kindly provided us is shiviness. Shiviness. And that is spelled S-H-I-V-V-I. N-E-S-S. Shiviness. So, won't you please send me your definitions for the word shiviness now. Putting a slightly smaller checkmark next to the comic strip round. That was good. Yeah, I like the comic strip round. I felt like we came up with some pretty... Authentic peanuts punchlines there. No, I, I yeah. thought it was yeah. good. I mean, the key is the key is to find comic strips that have a very distinct, repetitive yeah. Oh, yeah. nature. Like I think maybe we might do some Andy Cap at some point. Oh God, I knew you were going <laughs> yeah. to say that. But but seriously, is there such a thing as a loser salad? That is a really good joke. I love that. That was great. It's like she's so mean. She's, she's just so, so mean. mean. <laughs> Why is she yeah, on the not, food? Not committee. only is she calling him a loser, but, but a salad? she's bring him a salad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's so mean. All right. All of the definitions are in for this listener word, which was shiviness. And it all ends here, one way or another. So, uh, you know, enjoy it. So, here are the definitions for shiviness. One. A feeling of uncertainty related to seeking treatment for a medical condition. Two, the quality of constantly hurrying people from one point to another. Three, the degree of similarity to a homemade knife. Four, having poor behavior that reveals a lower class or social standing. Five, sudden and violent. Six, the feeling of discomfort that comes from wearing new underwear. Or seven, moving in a serpentine manner. So those are your options for round 10, and our first guesser for this round is Shelley Brisbane. I'll take new underwear please will you now all right you've got it i didn't know that was a service steve provided <laughs> i, <gotta laughs> I thought it you. was a prize for there coming is a in second in there the is game. a slight feeling of discomfort from the underwear i'm going to send you <laughs> time for a quick break to tell you about our sponsor new underwear <laughs> I, 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 did, I, I did specify new just to be clear <laughs> uh next up is kathy that's, I'm glad you specified that, Shelley. I already had things all packaged up. I was ready to send it out. <laughs> discomfort Dang from wearing old underwear is a different word. Yeah. 
Um, I would like to choose the second one, please. The hurry, hurry, hurry. hurrying second people one. from one point to another. That one. You got it. Next is Monty. Okay. Um, poor behavior, please. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, Dan. What was the last one? Moving in a serpentine manner. Uh, I'm going to join Monty on poor behavior. Okay. Yeah, let's cause some trouble. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Monty and Dan. Dan and Monty. Can't stop them. That's right. Um, They're cops. (laughs) Let's see. Next up is Chip. Constantly hurrying. Constantly hurrying. Okay. And then after that, we've got Jason. I want to praise the degree of similarity to a homemade knife, which is literally the amount of pan in the shiv. (laughs) (laughs) And then pick new underwear. Okay. You know, it's new underwear. You shouldn't have to pick it. It should maintain its shape pretty well. Unless it's that slick poo thong. And then could be. Enjoy. I'm uncomfortable now. All right. Low so definition. Here it is. Yep. The final round, round 10. And uh, let's see what happened here with all those guesses. Why don't we start with, um, well, let's see if Dan won <laughs> by guessing the correct answer. <laughs> then we could all go home. Monty and Dan. Is this, is this like the 2021 Oscars here? <laughs> <laughs> Monty and Dan both thought that shiviness might be having poor behavior that reveals a lower class or social standing. Actually, that's just one more one more set of points to Jason from Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had to go oh, out the way I came in. Picking yeah. my answers. Um, let's see. Uh, Shelly and Jason both thought that shiviness might be the feeling of discomfort that comes from wearing new underwear. Well, Jason, I'd hate to tell you. Oh. Nope, that wasn't, that wasn't, nope, just kidding. That wasn't oh, mine. No. <laughs> and I hate to tell you that that is the correct answer. I didn't pick it wow. because I swear that was an answer that somebody wrote yeah. in a previous game. Why would I go with my memory? Clearly, it's faulty. Mm. It sounded too much like skiviness to me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, that leaves only two guessers, and that's Kathy and Chip. Uh, they both thought that the quality of constantly hurrying people from one point to another is shiviness. If that's Dan's answer, he wins with more than 18 points. If it's not, mm, he has a very unsatisfying pull-up right mm. at the right before the finish line, but still wins. What's new? But that was Dan's answer, so... Dodge <laughs> <laughs> uh, that bullet. So two I points to I also thank you, Dan. Steve, for... for uh... <laughs> I misspelled it in my, I misspelled the word. It was my one time I was like, oh, this would be fine. Like, I typed S-C-H. Didn't realize until you typed it. I looked in the Zoom chat well afterwards. There's no C in this. <laughs> Literally has no impact on any aspect of the nope. game, but that's all right. I, except for my guess. All right. So that means that uh, Low Definition 22 has been won by Dan Morin with 19 points. Congratulations, Dan. 
Uh, tied for second with 14 points each was Jason and Shelly. Um, in fourth place with 12 points was Monty, uh, Chip, and Kathy tied for fifth with 11 points. Woo! All respectable scores and only slightly less respectable with me in the back with 10 points. Good job, everybody. And we, we survived! Yes, and we, we finished it the right way. Great, great work, everyone. We did it. Everyone got double digits. I know. That's really impressive. That's well done. And in less double than 40 digits. rounds. Nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> so that does it for yet another glorious episode of Low Definition. A great big thank you to my players, Dan, Chip, Jason, Shelley, Kathy, and Monty. And thank you, listener, for ignoring your better judgment and sticking with us to the bitter end. Just a reminder, if you'd like to submit a listener word or a round idea, drop us an email at lowdefgs at gmail.com. The GS stands for Galaxy Scouts. You can also follow us on Twitter at lowdefgs, though I have no earthly idea why you would want to. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks again for joining us, and until next time, this is Steve Lutz saying, can I borrow this jazz kit? <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>